So we have just come off what is the biggest holiday season for Americans. And I began to wonder what it is like for the rest of the world because we are not the center of the universe. And uh, particularly wanted to think about China as that is where the largest number of people live. And they're about to have their biggest season. It's called the Lunar New Year. It actually starts on Saturday, and last year, this is an example of one of the festivals because it was the year of the tiger. And, I mean, hundreds upon millions of people celebrate this in town squares, and this year it is the year of the rabbit. It starts this Saturday. In the country of India, we have the fall festival called Diwali, the Festival of Lights, and here's a postmodern picture from last year's festival. It looks like a rock show, and, and that's what some of it was, but you see all the little lights there, and they are celebrating life and light. So I called my friend Rabbi Eleanor Steineman, who is the rabbi at Temple Beit Shalom here in Austin, and I said, what about Jews? What, what is the most significant holiday worldwide for Jews? And she said, Yom Kippur. It's the Day of Atonement, and what Jews do is they, they fast for about a day and a half, and then, and then they gather in worshiping communities together, and they break the fast, and it is a celebration. And then look at this picture of one from last year. This is in a Reformed congregation, and it looks a lot like how we might have looked on Christmas Eve this year at 2 p.m., holding up glow sticks celebrating that they have been forgiven by God. But then she went on to tell me that this is not how it's always been, that until the year 70, until the year 70, when the temple was destroyed, the holiday, the most important, significant holiday was a pilgrimage holiday where all of the Jews would go to Jerusalem, and it was called Sukkot, the festival of the booths. This was set up in the book of Numbers like this. This is what Moses told the Israelites. He said, on the 15th day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not work at your occupations. You shall celebrate a festival to the Lord for seven days. The thing about this festival is that because the temple is destroyed, it's, it hasn't become quite as, it's just not as popular, but our text today is at the end of this festival. And it's so important the way that the Gospel of John writer writes this, that he includes these details so we know what has happened before Jesus says things like, I am the light of the world. So in chapter 7, we are told that Jesus decides to go to the festival in the middle of it. So he's like day three or day four. He goes into the temple when he gets to Jerusalem, and he sits down, and he begins to teach, and people are so upset. The Pharisees, the leaders of the synagogues are so upset because he is speaking things that are blasphemous. He says things like, I tell you that rivers of living water will flow from me. And they're like, what? And they get so upset that they get the temple police to come and arrest him. Well, the temple police go and listen to him, and they're so enamored with what he says, they don't do it. That enrages them all the more. And so then it comes to the last day. It is the seventh 
day of the festival. And y'all, this, this is the coup de grace. This is the Super Bowl halftime show. This is the Christmas Eve. This is the biggest fireworks display you can imagine. And it's called the Festival of Lights. And what happens is realize there are hundreds of thousands of Jews that have pilgrimaged to Jerusalem. And if you're gonna be there for one night, it's like, you know, you're gonna choose to be there on Christmas Eve as a Christian. If you're gonna be there for one night, you go for the last night of Sukkot. And at the night, everybody shows up with lanterns and lamps, like everybody has one. And then they go into the temple and the most congested area of the temple would have been what's called the Court of Women. And it's called that because it's the furthest into the temple you could go as a woman or as a child. And so it would have been filled, I mean, just packed with hundreds of thousands of people and everybody has their lamp and it's right outside the temple treasury. And what's unique about this last night is in the court of women, we have archeological evidence that there were four enormous lampstands in each corner of the court of women. And they were two stories high, they were gold. And at the top of them, there were four bowls that came out. And those were filled with incense and palm branches and stuff to, to keep it kindling. And it was so spectacular that it, said, it is said that that night, the last night of Sukkot, it, it, they burned so brightly that anyone near Jerusalem would have been able to sift wheat in the darkest of night by the light that it gave. I mean, it was unbelievable. And you know that feeling that we get on Christmas Eve of just the, the community, the presence of God, people praising God. This was the most amazing night. And then at some point, people start to go away and they, they get to their tents, their booths, and then their lanterns, they go out. Now they're still like, I imagine them laying in their booths, looking out, and if, if those lampstands were as de indeed bright as we say they were, those were still burning through the night. But as dawn came, all of it is going out. The next morning, Jesus had slept at the Mount of Olives, and he goes back to the temple. I imagine it looked a little bit like Zilker Park looks the day after ACL. There's trash, there's vendors that are putting up their stuff, the booths are getting packed away, and then there's this like aroma of what had burned the night before. Jesus goes into the temple, we are told, in chapter 8, and he sits down, and he is teaching, and then suddenly the Pharisees bring a woman in and throw her down before him, and they say, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. We need to stone her. And Jesus says, whoever is without sin, be the first to throw it. And then Jesus says our passage today. Hear what he says. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me 
never walks in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying on your own behalf, so there's no way your testimony is valid. And Jesus says, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I have come from and I know where I am going. But you, you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Yet even if I did, even if I do judge, my judgment is valid for it is not I who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. And in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is valid. I testify on my own behalf and the Father who sent me testifies on my behalf. Then they said to him, well, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you neither know know me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And he spoke these words while he was teaching in the treasury of the temple, but no one had arrested him because his hour had not yet come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, We're there that morning. We smell a little bit of the residue of the fire. May your words speak to us this day. May we see how this light can be life for all of us. In Christ's name, amen. I imagine that it had to have been too ironic for everybody that was there for Jesus to be sitting there and then the first things that Jesus says the morning after is I am the light of the world. That light last night that illumined everything, everyone. But yet, now it's gone out. Now it has gone out. My light, Jesus says, it never goes out. Never. We heard this at the beginning of John's gospel when he said the light came into the world and the darkness did not overcome it. So literally, first century people knew darkness. There was no electricity. They were familiar with darkness, literally. But they were also familiar with darkness figuratively, just like we are. We are all too familiar with the darkness of our world, our lives, our circumstances. When the sun sets, we are in darkness, literally, but daily we are experiencing the darkness. And then Jesus says this peculiar thing, those who follow me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Literally, whoever walks with me, who who comes alongside with me, who lives the way that I live, will never walk in darkness, but will live a new way with the light of life. So Jesus isn't talking about literal darkness at all. Jesus is talking about the light of life. Jesus is talking about life that is rooted and based in hope, is based in faith, is based in love. And we have to remember the context of that passage right before he says this. This is an invitation for us to accept that Jesus is who he says he is. And the way that Jesus views us is not by human standards. It is not by all that we have done wrong or 
all that we have done right. Jesus said, I judge no one by human standards. Humans saw the woman in an adulterous act and they want to punish her. She was doing wrong. She should get what is due her. And they want her to know that this so-called savior is gonna do it. And Jesus' response is, she sinned and we all do. She sinned and she messed up. There is no judgment here. So think about today, modern day 2023. What are the standards that we would call somebody and throw them down before Jesus and say, stone them? What would be those, those standards of judgment that we would say, this is just too much? I sometimes think that we have this standard that we set up for ourselves that is based on what we have. It's based on what we own. It's like you have the nice house, you've got the car, you don't have as many wrinkles or as much fat. Your kid got the college acceptances. You've had grandchildren. These are not light that gives life. These are not light that gives life. Whether you're one of those people that quickly bounces back from surgery or you never have, that is not necessarily a measure of the light that gives light. Whether you've gotten your child to potty train well before three or whether your business had good margins in 22, that is not light that gives life. They burn brightly in our lives at some points, all those amazing things. And those are gifts of God, yes. That amazing Sukkot Festival of Lights uh, festival the night before, Jesus is not discounting that. It was glorious. It's all those people worshiping God, paying homage. It was glorious, it was magnificent, it was a gift. But it is not the light of the world. It is not that which can forever satisfy us. And Jesus is saying, I want you to walk in the light of life. Walk in the light of things that are not measured by human standards. So when light shines like it did on that woman's wrongdoing, the light of life allows for grace to be given. Because all of us do wrong. And when light shines on our own lives, as as that woman had the light shine on her darkness in that moment, the light of life says, you messed up. But guess what? Go. You have an opportunity. Go and sin no more. When light shines on our success, our beauty, our achievements, the light of life says, beautiful. But those are opportunities to make sure to name the source of that light. When light shines on the dysfunctions in a family, darkness is revealed and we, uh, the, you see that there is things wrong in a workplace or you see th- there's things wrong in a governmental organization. I don't want you to miss this. The light of life believes that absolutely no person, no organization, no government is out of the reach of being transformed by Jesus. There is no, they will never. It will never. The light of life says, I am the light of the world, ongoing. And the darkness will never overcome it. 
all of us have been given this light. Notice, Christ's light did not go out. Christ's light never goes out, whether any of us in this space embrace it or not. That is how powerful it is. Jesus went of his own accord that day back to the temple. I am the light of the world. He wasn't dismissing what they had done. And he doesn't dismiss what we have done and the amazing, good, and beautiful, light-bearing things that we do at all. But he is saying the source of that, that which demonstrates and reveals the darkness in our world, we must use that for God's glory. We must use that for offers of grace and no judgment. We must use that as opportunities to point people to everlasting hope, to things that will not fade out ever in this life. May it be so in my life and in yours.